song, Jesus Saves. Go ahead. Come on. I just want to, I know it's taking a long time. You're getting old. And, but <clears throat> notice, I was noticing in uh, Jesus Saves there, it says, sing above, in, in verse 3, it says, sing above the battle strife. The battle strife. When you're in the battle and when the, it seems like the war is raging around you, it says, sing above it. Sing above it. Well, I'll tell you what, in this day and time, we hear all the news and all the bad things. Well, I'll tell you what, what do you do? Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. Jesus saves. Just shout it, sing it loud. Amen. Well, they did make it up here. All right. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. We've been preaching through a series on Sunday nights that we've titled Learning to Hear God. And I know I, I repeat it every time, but in some form or fashion, the need is so great for us to learn to hear the voice of God. There's so much noise going on around us, and I believe that that is by design of Satan to keep us from listening to the voice of God. The problem that we have today is that we're listening to the wrong voices. We're listening to this one, we're listening to that one. And so many times I think that we fail to understand that the reason that we struggle in our lives, the reason that we struggle with uh, many things uh, that come our way is because we're listening to the wrong voice. We're not listening to God. And so we need to learn to listen to the Lord. Listen to his voice. Revelation chapter 3, and we begin reading in verse 14. It says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. 
So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Boy, I tell you what, the Lord didn't mince any words there, did he? So I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and, I, and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Back in verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. You say, well, preacher, that's a verse that you use quite often when you're talking about somebody receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. I understand that. I realize that. That is, and it is very applicable and it, it does deal with that. But if you look at the verse where it's at, it's actually dealing with the Laodicean church. If you notice the last thing that is said there, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There's seven churches here that's been written to. And each time when, the, when he's done speaking to the church, he closes that letter to that church with this very same saying. So from the beginning to the end, he's dealing with the Laodicean church here in this letter. And he closes the letter the same way. And so this, this verse that we're looking at tonight, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I'd like to preach a message tonight that I've titled, Listening to Only What You Want to Hear. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you would just come down in a powerful way. We thank you for the songs and the song that the, the young men sang tonight, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. I, I praise your name, Lord, for your goodness to us. Lord, you have blessed us beyond comprehension. We thank you again, Lord, for those saved this past week and, and the services of wonderful preaching and the challenge of hearts. And Lord, the good attendance and good services this morning. We pray now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, help us to yield our, our self, and help us to open our hearts, that you might speak to us tonight. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. As I said here, you have the, in, the, in chapters 2 and, and 3, you have the, uh, the seven letters that are written to the churches. And uh, you'll find there in Ephesians chapter 2, if you begin there, he begins in, in, unto the angel, the church of Ephesus. And then you drop down to uh, verse 8 and it says, unto the angel, the church of Smyrna. And he's telling him to write these things. Verse 12, 
and, and to the angel of the church of Pergamos. And then as you go on, you see over uh, in verse 18, unto the, unto the church uh, of the Thyatira. And, and then ver, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says, unto the angel of the church in Sardis. And then down in verse 6, or verse 7 says, and unto the angel of the church of Philadelphia. And then here we are down in verse 14 where he's writing unto the Laodiceans. These were all churches that were present at that time when John the Revelator was given this to write and to send out these, these uh, letters, you might say, to the churches. And they were in different regions and different areas, and each one was very unique in its own uh, situation, what they were facing even, but also how they were handling the Word of God, how they were were uh, serving the Lord, what they was doing within the church. Some of the churches, God basically, He said, you're doing a great job and I know you're going through difficulties and so forth. And then, and then most of them, he, he may say something good about them, then He comes back with a rebuke and to exhort them and try to get them to do what they're supposed to be doing. Each one of these churches, though, and what a lot of people don't understand, that each one of these churches, there's seven churches, those were literal churches in that day and age, but each one of those churches represent a church age. And I'm not going to go back and give you the dates in which they basically are identified and they fall through history. But we find the last church that is written to is the Laodicean church, and we live in the day of the Laodicean church age. This is the day of the Laodicean church age. You can go back in history, you can do the, the research on it, you can look at it, you can see the different timing and different things. I believe that as you read that and you go back and study history, I think you will also find that in every church age you would find some of these or most of these churches apparent there, but the church age itself would take on a, a uh, you might say, a taste or a, or a, uh, uh, a likeness of that particular church. And so we come here and we find ourselves in this uh, Laodicean church age and, and looking at it. And I believe that the Lord is trying to, to write to the Laodiceans here. It's, it's not a letter of accommodation saying that they've, done any, that they've actually done good. Actually, it's the other. It's a, it's a rebuke. And he's speaking to them and he's rebuking them for their failure to live for the Lord as they should. In the meanwhile, thinking <clears throat> that they are living for God. A lot of them, the Laodicean church, it's they, he's rebuking them, but they're thinking, well, we're living for God. We're doing what needs to be done. We're, we're winning souls. We're, we're going to church. We're, you know, we're doing this. We're doing that. Boy, we've got, we've got this ministry, that ministry, this ministry. Man, look at the buildings that we've built. Look at what we've got. We've got, we've got live streaming. We've got, we're, you know, we've got all this stuff going on today. And, and you know, we, we're doing all these things. And he looks at the church of Laodicea and he says, I would that that were either hot or cold. But because that thou art lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. And he's rebuking them because if you notice there and you look at it, and we'll get into it here in a, in a few minutes, but he, he's rebuking them because they're thinking that they're doing okay. So the Lord instructs them to listen to the one that will give them the truth about them. Let me say that again. The Lord instructs them to listen to the one that will give them the truth about them. Look there in verse 14. He says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. That's Jesus Christ. 
Okay? The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Basically, what he could I put it in where we're at today? You'll not hear the truth on about how to live for God on CNN. You'll not hear about it from CBS, ABC, NBC, all the other. You'll not hear. You say, "Oh yeah, I listen to Fox." You'll not hear it on Fox News. You'll not see it on social media. You'll not see it on Facebook. You start trying to put something there on Facebook too much there, and they'll put you in Facebook prison. Amen. You'll not hear the truth as it ought to be put out there many times in the, in the media of this world and telling you the truth of the real condition that this country is in, this world is in, that the churches are in. I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of churches, the doors are closed tonight. Yeah, I preach it's because of COVID. No, it's not because of COVID. It's because it's an easy way to go. Many times today what we've got is we have churches who they just want to float along. They just want to be a, a social group and a social gathering and that everything is just good. And this is what was taking place in the church of Laodicea. All the media and all them, they will tell you what you want to hear many times. But the Bible says that we're to listen to the true witness. Look there in Verse 15, he says, I know thy works. He said, I know what you're doing. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. He just gets real plain. He says, I know what's going on in your heart. I know why you go to church. I know why you sit there in a pew and never hit an altar. Mm. I, know why, I know why you, you don't read your Bible. I know why you don't tell people about me. He says, I know what's going on. He said, I know your works. I know what's taking place in your life. He said, I know you go to church. He said, I know that you do this, you do that. He said, I know what's going on. He said, but he said, you're not either hot, you're not cold, either one. He said, so then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. See, preacher, what are you talking about? Could I get real vivid? He says, I'm going to vomit. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit. He said, oh, that's nasty. God surely wouldn't say something like that. Oh, yeah, he's trying to get you to understand how sickening lukewarmness is. How sickening to him that it is. And he's trying to get this church of Laodicea to, to wake up here. And this letter has been written to them. He'd been trying to deal with them and trying to get their attention and, and all this. And, and now it's come down to where he has called John up into the, into the third heaven to, to speak to him and to give him the letters to the churches and to try to awaken all the churches or try to commend and, and encourage the churches here. And he's come to this place where he says, listen, Laodicea, he said, you make me sick. 
The sad part is today, if you would be honest, and if I'll be honest, we look around the world and we look around in America, we can even look around in our own town, and I would fear that God would have to say, many of the churches today make him sick. It's not that necessarily that they're doing some wicked, vile thing. But it's because they're lukewarm. Lukewarm. You see, the Lord knows your works, and He knows the works of the church. He knows your heart when you're doing those things. You know, I appreciate those guys getting up here and singing. But you know what? I'm hoping and I'm praying, and I think they were, that they do it for the Lord. It's kind of hard to get a bunch of guys like, up there to, like that up there to sing unless they're doing it for God. <laughs> I mean, they're not doing it up there just to look good. I can guarantee you that. They want, they, they're doing it for God, I think. Yes. That's the heart that he's looking at. He knows the works. He knows why they did it. Well, would you do this? Well, okay, I'll do that. Well, God knows your heart. He knows why you're doing it. Well, so the preacher will leave me alone. Or maybe somebody, maybe he'll get up and say, boy, did you see the job that brother so-and-so did? Man, I'll tell you what, everybody look at him and, and give him a big hand. Give him a round of applause. God knows why you did it. God knows the heart. I can stand up here and preach for the wrong reason. The instruments, they can play for the wrong reason. The ushers can, can take up the offering for the wrong reason. You can run a bus for the wrong reason. Work on a bus. You can pray for the, with the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit so that you could be, the Bible says, be heard of men. The Lord knows the heart. He knows the works. Those He speaks of that would be cold, he says here, and it's a strange, you, you would, you know, you look at that and it seems so strange. You look at verse 15 there again, it says, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. And he didn't stop there, he, that he recognized that. He goes on and he says, I would that you were either cold or either hot. You would think, you know, in our own thinking, we would think lukewarm's better than cold. I'd rather have somebody that's just kind of in there, you know, and just, you know, they're, just, they're showing up. They're keeping the pew warm, you know, and they're putting a dollar or two in the offering or they're, you know, they're just, they don't do much, but man, you know what, at least they're there every week. God said, I'd rather they be cold. Our thinking is it's better lukewarm than cold. Better lukewarm than cold. He said, I would that that were either cold or hot. And it's that in between, that middle, that straddling of the fence, that, that place that is unrecognizable to many that he doesn't like. You see, those who he speaks of as cold are those who, 
who out and out are dead towards the things of God. They don't try to be anything for the Lord. They don't try to do anything for God at all. They're just not interested. They're cold. They're dead. And apparently he's talking about Christians. This, this is who he's writing to. Those that he speaks of that are, are hot would be those who are moved and moving for the Lord and like those on the road to Emmaus who said that, did not our heart burn within us? When Jesus came and he spoke to us, did not that, did that, that set our heart on fire? Man, I'll tell you what, there ought to be a burning in a Christian's heart and life when you really realize what you have in Jesus Christ. There ought to be some coals that need to be fanned. I'll tell you what, there ought to be a fire. I say there ought to be a fire in our hearts and lives as Christians today. When you stop and think you've been saved out of, a, out of the pits of hell and, and you've been lifted out of that miry clay and you've been set upon a solid rock, Jesus Christ, and he has established your goal and, and give you eternal life and, and boy I tell you what you ought to want to live for God you ought to want to lift him up yes. he said I'm looking for some hot ones well I'll tell you what I've always found out that in, through the years of ministry those who are, are hot those who are on fire for God are the ones that are able to reach those who need to be saved they'll make the difference in your church they'll make the difference in, in the lives of people around them because they're excited about God. They're excited about uh, the working uh, of the Lord. They're excited about what God's doing in their lives. They're excited about what God's doing in the church. They're excited about what God's doing in somebody else's life. So much so that the, it, it humbles them and they want to get closer to God. And they want God to use them in a greater way. He said, I would that were either cold or hot. He, I think he'd want us to be hot. He you know, just like the steam that comes off of hot boiling water, you can recognize that the water's hot, can't you? You can walk by and after it's quit boiling, and you can see that water just walk into the room and not know. Maybe it's been set off of there and set over someplace else. And, and you walk by it and you, you see that steam coming up and you're thinking, I better be careful. That might burn me. You see that steam. It's recognizable by the steam. Guess what? In the wintertime, it's recognizable if there's some water that's been sitting outside. And you look out there and you think, that's ice. It's cold. It's recognizable. But you take lukewarm water, temp room temperature. Room temperature. Guess what? You don't know whether it's cold or whether it's hot. You can't recognize what it is. And it can mislead you. It can mislead you. There's been times that I've walked in the house and I had a, maybe a glass of tea or, or something and maybe I didn't put ice in it, but I took it out of the refrigerator and, and poured in, into that glass and, and, and just got a quick drink of it. And later on I come back in and and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, which glass is mine like that? And I think, it's that one there. I pick it up and take a, a drink out. It's room temperature. It was somebody else's. You say, what do you do? I thought it might be Hunter, so I spit it out. Say, <laughs> so you spit it out in the sink? No, I spit it back in the glass. I didn't want to take something that was his. <laughs> Did you tell him you put it back in there? Why no? Let him drink it, Amen. <clears throat> 
then you reach over and you take a hold of the other glass and you can feel how cold it is and that's mine. You can recognize it. But the lukewarmness is hard to recognize. And it can become the most dangerous to other, other Christians and to the lost world. Those who are lukewarm are those who are that greatest danger to those who are around them claiming something that they don't have, actually having a substitute for the real thing. The Lord therefore said He would spew them out of His mouth because they were lukewarm. And, and, and you, you say, you, lo- you love the Lord, but you really don't mean it because everything else is more important than the Lord in your life. This church of Laodicea and these Christians and today, had been listening to what they wanted to hear about themselves. You know, most of us don't want somebody to tell us something wrong. I'm going I'm to tell on myself a little bit. I shouldn't do this. Just recently, my wife corrected me on some of my grammar. He said, I can't believe your grammar's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know it is. And you know what my first instinct was? I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to think that my grammar was okay. Ain't that right? <laughs> I mean... I have, a, I have trouble, and I don't realize I do it sometimes. You probably realize that I do it. Well, probably not. I say they was a lot of times when it's supposed to be they were. And when she brought it up again, it aggravated me. And she's just trying to help me. And I've had to think about that over the week. He said, well, did you get it right? No, I'm going to keep saying they was. I, I, no, no, no. And I'm going to try to correct it, but the problem is, is that I got to think about it. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to think that everything was okay. And that's the way it is sometimes in our lives where the Lord begins to try to speak to us. We don't want to hear that. We want somebody to say everything's okay. Have you ever had somebody walk up to you and say, I don't know what it is. Does this look okay? And you don't want to tell them the truth? Oh, man, that looks, you look like a clown. <laughs> we say, oh, yeah, that's not bad. That, you know. Why? Because you didn't want to hurt their feelings. And basically every one of us want to listen to something that makes us feel like everything's okay. The church of Laodicea was in that position. Churches today are in that position. Do you know why we don't have revival in the churches across America like we ought to? It's not because God doesn't want to give it. It's because we don't want to listen to something that tells us that we need to get some things straightened out. Do you know why we struggle with sin in our own lives? Because we don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit that's saying, that's wrong. 
we would rather get a pat on the back and say, well, that's not so bad. It's okay. Look here in, in verse 17. It says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have, look at that, need of nothing. Look at the next three words, and knowest not. And knowest not. Have you ever seen and talked to somebody that had, you know, a piece of broccoli rot in there? And you're thinking, oh. But you won't tell them. Can I tell you something? They don't know that it's there. This is about the way it was. They were so confident in that everything was okay in their church and that they was living for God and that they was serving God. And, and they, but it, they wasn't listening. And, and it says, and, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Doesn't sound like a, doesn't sound like a church that's going good. Doesn't sound like a Christians that's on fire, does it? He said, you aren't listening, basically. He said, I counsel thee. Notice what he says. He said, I counsel thee. He said, I'm speaking to you. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me, not of the world, not what the world wants to give you, not what the world wants to sell you, not what the world wants to tell you. He said, I counsel you to buy of me. Well, we need to get back to the word of God and say, Lord, I want you to show me what I need and then show me where I can get it because I can get it from you and not from this world. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Otherwise, it's pure gold, not this cheap stuff that the world gives. That thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salves that thou mayest see. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous, therefore repent. Do you notice that he... He, at the end of it, after he had given them the, uh, what I call a raking over the coals, he tells them, he said, I love you. That's why I'm telling you these things. That's why I'm trying to help you because I love you. Can I tell you something? That the rebuke of God is not one of hatred. It's always one of love. Why? Because he loves you. He does not want to see your life messed up. He does not want to see you go astray. He does not want to see your life destroyed. And sometimes we, want to, we don't want to hear it because you just don't like, you know, whatever. You don't understand. God says, no, I love you. He said, I care about you. He said, I want you to Listen to my counsel. I want you to listen to my word. I want you to hear my voice. Quit worrying about hearing what you want to hear and listen to me. They weren't listening to the Lord. They were listening to those who would make them feel good. Those who wouldn't challenge their lives or bring conviction to their hearts. They, were listening to the, they weren't listening to the Lord and, and the Spirit of God and His Word. Here's what the Bible says many Christians and churches are doing right now in, in this Laodicean age. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, which is a kind of a, he's given us a picture of the last days in, in, in chapter 3 and goes over into chapter 4. And, and he's dealing with these last days, what's going to take place. He says, for 
the time will come when, in verse 3, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to it. You can preach it, but they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to endure it. They're going to close their ears. They're not going to pay attention to it. Oh, they may sit in the pew. They may read it in the Bible, but it's just going to go right on past them. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know why our, 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 our media, as far as many of the church stuff that you said, not all of it, but many of those things, on the, preachers and stuff on the, on the church, uh, and they, they, they got these mega churches and everything. Do you know what they're doing? People are heaping to themselves uh, 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 preachers, uh, having itching ears, wanting, wanting somebody to say, bless God, you're doing good, amen. And just give it, that'd be $5, uh, and praise the Lord. Hey, you, mm, I prayed for you last night, that'd be $20. And many of those so-called ministries are businesses. If you don't believe me, go look at the houses that those preachers live in and the jets that they fly. Oh, well, preacher, you know, that's just what people done for them. They build their whole ministry on telling people what they want to hear. Can I tell you something tonight? It would be real easy for me to stand up here and just, just preach sweet things and just look at you and say, you are the best bunch of people. When I know you're not. And you're the best bunch of people. God loves you. Oh, God loves you, man. You're something else. You are the cat's meow. Make you feel good. Never try to preach the truth of God's word. Never try to lay down what's need to be heard. Folks, that's happening in churches all around us. But you know what? That's not going to help you and that's not going to help me. It's not going to help the cause of Christ. It's not going to reach lost souls. It's not going to keep your kids out of hell. It's not going to keep your neighbor's kids out of hell. We've got to get to a place where we don't care what the world says. We've got to be listening to the Lord. And preaching the word of God and beginning to realize, hey, listen, sin will destroy a life. And, and, and this world is, is full of sin. And we shouldn't be afraid to call out the sin. I mean, the liquor, the drugs, the, the homosexuality, the immorality, and, and the lying, and, the, and all the, and the deadness even in the pew and in the church. I had a Baptist preacher one time at a wedding come up to me and say, it was at a wedding after the wedding was over and they was having their little thing. We was there and we was sitting over kind of by ourselves a little bit there because we didn't want to get involved in some of that. It was a family member and we just, you know, it's one of those things that you got to go to. The family members, they just kind of for some reason get you into those things. And he come along, had the glasses. He had just done the wedding. Would you like some champagne? It'd been very easy to say, no, thank you. So, preacher, what did you say? <laughs> I looked at him straight in the face. I said, I don't think God would be pleased with that. Amen. What'd he say? Okay. And went on. <laughs> and still giving it out. 
But I guarantee you, he didn't want to hear what I had to say. And I don't care what church it is. And they say, well, Jesus turned the water to wine, preacher. That is oinos, that is grape juice, that is new, what they call new wine, that is unfermented grape juice. Don't make me start preaching a message on that tonight. We'll get there later. Church don't want to hear that anymore. We don't want to get, you know, down to what God might want to say. And so Laodicea and church, they was trying to do their own thing here. They was trying to, they didn't want to listen to what God had to say. He's trying to get their attention. He wants them to turn back to him. And so many today, they are heaping to themselves teachers having these itching ears. And it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. To what somebody can just pat them on the back and say, you're all right. You're okay. Letting our lives, living our, letting our lives for Christ become lukewarm because the only, we only want to hear what we want to hear about us. That's okay if you skin somebody else, but pat me on the back. The fact is, is that's where many are today, like the church of Laodicean. Church of Laodicea, and they were lukewarm, and they, they couldn't see it. They weren't listening to the Lord. They were convinced that everything was good. So you mean they thought everything was good? Oh, yeah. He says, no, sir. He says, no, it's not. He said, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not. They didn't realize it. They, they had blinded themselves and... Because they wasn't listening to the Lord. They was listening to those around them. They was comparing themselves by themselves. Measuring themselves by themselves. And they wasn't listening to the Lord. They was going through the motions. They had no power of God. They had no presence of God. They had no blessings of God. Well, I'll tell you what. That, that becomes like a lot of churches today. and It becomes nothing more than just a social meeting. When God's not there. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If, God ever, if it ever comes to a place in a time when, when God's not going to meet with us. I don't want to be here. Why? Because life is too short. And the Lord is too important. To not get together and meet with the Lord. It's not that there's no hope. Or opportunity to be revived and the heart to burn again. The Lord rebukes them, but he also instructs them. There in verse 18 and 19, he says, I counsel thee to buy the gold, to try the fire. And notice down in verse 19, he says, uh, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He said that all these things need to be done. But he said, listen, he said, it's because I love you. I rebuke you. And he said, you can have revival. You can get back in on fire again for God. You can have your heart stirred for the Lord. There may be some sitting here tonight that, that, that it just, boy, you just don't have that fire burning in your soul like you used to. and It just seemed like it's not there. Hey, listen, the Lord says, you don't have to remain that way. He says, I'm encouraging you to, to uh, uh, get back in there, to repent. And, and, and a lot of people don't like that word repent, but that repent means to a change, a change of direction, a change of heart. Turning back to the Lord with all of your heart, 
Well, preacher, I'm not out in sin. I'm not, I'm not, I, I haven't killed anybody anyway yet, but, and, and, I, and, I, and I haven't stolen any money and I've not been cheating on my wife and I, I've not, uh, you know, I've not done this, I've not done that and I'm going to church and I, I even still read my Bible and everything, but there's not the fire that there used to be in my heart and life. He says, repent. Because possibly what you've been doing is listening to the wrong person and they've been patting you on the back saying, it's okay, you're, everything's all right. Man, you're a good Christian. Man, look, look you, 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 went to, you went to the revival every night last week. Man, you are something. But there's no burning in your heart anymore. You become lukewarm. You know what? Every one of us as a Christian, there's a time in our life that we go through that stage. I don't care who you are, this preacher. It's a battle. You've got to constantly be listening because it's so easy to think everything's all right. Everything's okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not out into sin. But where's the fire in your heart? Where's that hot heart? You remember those times when, boy, you used to really be excited about the things of God. And, boy, you couldn't wait for the preaching. You couldn't wait for the singing. You couldn't wait to get an opportunity to share what Jesus had spoke to your heart about in your Bible reading. And, and there was, boy, you was excited. And, no, you know, it's just kind of like everyday stuff now. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, good to be saved. Glory. But you're lukewarm. You know what I'm talking about. It's just not that stirring and moving of God. Not that fire that there used to be. It's not that the Lord's not speaking today. It's that many choose to listen to what agrees with them and their desires. Well, I'm going to church, preacher, but I'm just not a fanatic like you are about it. Okay. I didn't say you have to be like me, but does it burn in your heart? Well, I don't want to be different from everybody else. Preacher, we just can't win anybody if we're different. They look at us, we're strange. We just can't be different. I mean, well, wait a minute. Jesus said that he was looking and going to call out a peculiar people. And I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about peculiar as indifferent than the world. Well, you know, I've got my own life to live. Hmm, I thought that you belonged to Jesus Christ. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, mm, isn't it amazing God puts that therefore? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are His, which are God's. Well, you know, I, I think I can serve the Lord the way I want to serve the Lord. I think Brother Sam Davison covered that pretty good this week. That we got to serve God the way He wants us to serve Him. Well, that's too old-fashioned. Need, we need to get things up to date. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This book's never changed. 
never will change for you and me. Well, preacher, it's just too narrow. Well, I think the Lord said something about narrow. There's a wide gate, there's a narrow gate, and few there be that go in thereat. You see, truth is narrow, and we must abide by truth. Be well assured that the Lord is speaking. But you're going to have to make the choice of what you listen to and who you listen to. That's up to you. I can't make you listen. You can't make me listen. It's up to you and me. You see, the Lord identifies his knock. All that, by the way, was introduction to the message. Here's the message. The Lord identifies his knock by his voice. By his voice. Look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, most of the time when I'm preaching, I don't even go beyond that. I just talk about the Lord knocking at a heart's door for a person to come, for the Lord to come in, let somebody come in, let the Lord come in so they might be saved or, or a Christian to get right. But look at the rest of the verse. I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Could I say that the Lord identifies his knock by his voice? If I took these two guys, put them in that room in there, and you could not see them, we could have one of them knock on the door, and I'd say, which one do you think it is? Well, preacher, we don't know who it is. Say hello. hello. A little louder. Hello. Say hello. Hello. Can you tell the difference in their voice? Yeah. If you can't, there's a problem there. <laughs> there's a difference in their voice. And so the, if you hear the knock, and then the person that's knocking says, can I come in? It will identify who's knocking on the door. When the Lord knocks on your heart's door about wanting to come in, He also speaks and you can hear His voice and He's identifying Himself. This is your heavenly Father. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one that died on the cross for you. I want to come in. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to sup with you. And in salvation, he's, a person could say that he's, he tells them who he is and wanting to come in to save their soul. But we're looking at what the Scripture says here. He's talking to the church of Laodicea about knocking on their heart's door, wanting to come in. He's identifying himself that he is the, the, the creator of the universe, that he is the son of God, that he is the judge one day that they'll stand before. And he's knocking at their heart's door and he visits with them. He, he, he vocally says something to them. And so that he's wanting them to open the door. Amen. He identifies himself. This world does not identify itself. They just knock. And then bust in. Jesus Christ will never open that door. He will knock and he will speak. But it's up to you and me to hear and to open. And to allow him to come in. And as a Christian to have fellowship with us. And, and to sup with us. That, that sup is, is, is something special. 
this week, each night after the services, we would take Brother Davis and Sister Davis to our, to our house where they drove over there. We didn't take them over there. They come over there and, and we would feed them. We'd sit down at the table. And you should have heard some of the conversations. Some of them you shouldn't hear, but you should have heard some of the conversations. And it was just such a blessing. That fellowship, supping at the table and just enjoying that time. You know what the Lord says? That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. I want to come in. I want to help you. I want to give you the truth. I want to tell you what's needed in your life. And he says, I'm wanting you to listen to me. The sword, when it knocks, it doesn't identify itself. It never tells you the, the end result of listening and opening the door to him. Satan never reveals what happens to you when you open that door uh, to this worldliness. He doesn't identify himself as he knocks. But the Lord always identifies himself on, as he knocks on your heart's door by his voice. And when it comes to that, listen to me, listen to me. When he knocks at your heart's door and he identifies himself through his voice, you and I have a choice. Don't look at the person next to you. Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your brother. Don't look at your sister. You have a choice. Because it's your heart that he's knocking at. And it's him speaking to you as he knocks at your heart's door. And so it's up to you to make a choice if you will listen and invite him in. Open the door. Many are so busy thinking about everything, that everything's okay, that they don't, don't and, and won't listen to the knock at their heart's door, which is identified by his voice. In Lubbock, Germany, there's a cathedral there. And on that cathedral, it's engraved in the, in the, in the stone and stuff on the cathedral. It says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way and not walk in me. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me might. Uh, you call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. When we fail to listen to the voice that identifies the knock at our heart's door, we'll become lukewarm and he'll spew us out of his mouth and long gone will be the presence, the power, the protection, and the blessings of the Lord in our lives and in our church. He closes that letter 
And he reinforces what he just said by saying, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We need to open that door to his knock and his voice as he speaks. We should be like Samuel as he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth thee. You choose and I choose what we'll hear, what we'll listen to. We have choice. I get in my truck and generally in my truck you'll find a CD already in the CD player. There's certain stations that might be on my thing and I'll, I'll switch, I'll, maybe I'll turn on the radio and I don't want to hear that and I'll reach over and hit the CD. I've got a little Bluetooth thing that plugs in and I can take my phone and I can punch up some songs on my, on my phone and it'll Bluetooth them up to that and it'll play over the radio and I can listen to it. Sometimes I don't turn anything on. Just drive down the road, roll the windows down, listen to the wind as it whistles between here and there. <laughs> but I choose what I listen to. Every one of us do that. It's up to you and me to decide. I'll listen to the Lord even when it is a rebuke because he loves me. And even when he's trying to, what he's trying to do, he's trying to, he's trying to build a fire in that heart again. Can I ask you tonight? Where do you fall? Hot? Cold? Or in that dangerous area of lukewarm? Every one of us has been there. If you're there tonight... You don't have to remain there. Hey, no preacher. He said so. He said, repent. Turn to me. Well, preacher, I haven't haven't done a great sin. You don't don't understand. He wants to get you back where you were. He wants you to listen to him. And he's knocking. And then he's saying, would you let me in? I want to stir the coals in their heart and set it on fire again. Let him do that tonight. If you're down at the bottom, cold, how do you take care of that, preacher? You go to that altar and you confess, God, I am cold. I don't feel nothing. And maybe you're not saved. Get it settled tonight. If there's a coldness in your heart and that's all that's ever been there, I'm going to tell you something. It's probably because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know about Him, but you've never received Him. Let Him have His way tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, we thank You for loving us. Thank You for the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the voice as You knock at our heart's door and as, Lord, You speak and and reveal Yourself to us. Help us, Lord, to, to look at our lives and 
We're not here to look at one another. We're not here to, to try to say this person needs that or, or this other person. But, Lord, even this preacher, I have to look at my own heart. I have to look at my own life. Am I listening Am I, I, to that voice that's identified as you knock at my door? And, Lord, you're trying to help me. You're trying to draw me closer. You're trying to increase my walk with you. You're trying to set my soul afire for you that you might be glorified. Lord, have your will and way in this invitation. Lord, if there is someone here tonight that's not saved, Lord, there's just been a coldness, a deadness, Lord, and, and they can't give a, a reason for it. Lord, maybe they need to come and let us take a Bible and show them, Lord, how that they can have that heart that Jesus speaks of, one that's been changed by the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ and salvation. Have your will and way, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight with your heads bowed, your eyes?